potatoes, Hal. Do you know what time it is? Yes, of course I do, Mark. It's block party time. <laughs> yes, it is, Hal. It is Maximum Fun's block party this week and next week. We're trying to get the entire world. We have our people of the world, but we want the entire rest of the world to know about We Got This with Mark and Hal and to know about all the great shows that we have out on the Maximum Fun Network. We just appeared on a block party episode of Judge John Hodgman. And we have our own block party episode, which is, of course, the famous mashed potatoes episode currently streaming now on Maximum Fun's block party YouTube page. That's right. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> right now. The I game was we're it. not going to say know. that's right. Wait, I'm that's why it was so difficult. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to pick it up. No, no. Keep this in, Ken. He no, did never. it. He couldn't go one promo without saying that's Whatever. right. Whatever. You have a projector that's sleeping on your couch like a brother-in-law. <laughs> For those who can't see this video, that makes no sense. There's just a projector sitting on my couch. Sometimes it's just for me. Get in on all the block party fun and discover some other great shows on the Max Fun Network that maybe you aren't listening to yet over at MaximumFun.org slash block party. That is where all the info is on all the wonderful things happening during block party. But for now, please enjoy this episode of We Got This with Mark and Hal. You are correct, sir. That's right. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Spielberg movie. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Best Spielberg movie. Best Steven Spielberg movie. Best <laughs> Steven Spielberg movie. Best Spielberg movie. Best Spielberg movie. Oh, God, we lost him. <laughs> what is that from? What do I know that from? I don't know. It's in a lot of stuff, I think. Yeah, it's a version of that. Hal, you said best Spielberg movie. Mm-hmm. It's Steven Spielberg, right? Is who were you didn't say his first name. It's Martin Spielberg. Shoot, I am so underprepared for this episode. Well, he's directed a lot of movies, so you really catch up. I'll wait while you watch okay. all of the works of Martin. Let me watch Spielberg. all of them. Oh, you know what? He doesn't have that many. You know what? It looks yeah. mostly like just videos of his uh, family vacations. Yeah. On yeah, yeah, YouTube. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, check the Grand Tetons. It's really, really good. Yeah, are you allowed to put that on YouTube? I mean, it got pulled down, but then he just pixelated it and put it back up. <laughs> no, we're talking about Steven Spielberg, Hal. First of all, hi. It's nice to see you. It's nice to see you, too. Yeah. It's always pleasure. makes me happy. It's a, it's a pleasurable Sunday afternoon. Uh, football season is in full swing. Uh, mm. So Hal might be distracted and periodically looking at another screen. I refuse. I refuse to look at another <laughs> screen. That's it. It's, it is what it is. Well, Steven Spielberg wants you to look at only one screen and that's the big screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is one of those proponents of, you know, see it in a theater, shoot it on 35 millimeter film, mm-hmm. uh, whenever he can. He is what I think of. Did you grow up with the same thing that I did where, because growing up in the eighties, it was like, the synonym for Hollywood movie director was Spielberg. 
Mm-hmm. That was just what you used. That was like saying Q-tip or Kleenex. Spielberg was the shorthand for Hollywood movie directors. Yes, he was the guy hit after hit after hit. Mm-hmm. The guy has been directing films, and he started with Firelight in 1964, but even if we don't count that, it's mm-hmm. been 50 years of filmmaking. Yeah. That he's been active, making movies, making movies that are huge successes, taking risks, working outside of his comfort zone. Like, he's sort of, the thing of Spielberg is, we all, mm-hmm. I think we all have a different idea of who he is. For some of us, he's, he's Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, like that sort of mid seventies Spielberg, mm-hmm. then to eighties to Indiana Jones. Then there are other people for whom it's his serious movies, starting with The Color Purple. Yeah. And movies like Schindler's List and Amistad and even Lincoln. Like he's, it's very hard to pin him down. So he'll do that. He'll do Tintin. He's doing West yeah, Side Story right he's now. He's done things in absolutely every genre. And yeah, is this his first musical, West Side Story? Yes. This has got to be the first musical. I mean, there are music, there's a couple of songs in Hook, which we'll get to because I'm certain it's a contender. Oh, for sure. It might be the winner. <laughs> Don't make fun of Hook. We I don't. Both, I love Hook. Bo- I love Hook, I love too. Hook. We both started laughing at this, just at the mere idea that that would be the greatest Spielberg movie, though. Do you have, because here's how I, in my looking at this, basically I, what I came up with was, I have a short list of uh, movies that I think are real contenders. And then I have a slightly longer list of movies that I think are honorable mentions that could give a contender a run for its money. If some detail about it, it comes to the top where we have one of those, oh, wow, I never had thought of that moments. You know what I mean? Yes. I've spent a lot of time thinking about his movies, especially over the last mm-hmm. like 24 hours. And my choice for what his best movie is has changed. Mm-hmm. changed with the wind changed yeah every time i blinked it's a new movie i was i was just thinking right now while we were going through some of his titles if you were to put together a mount rushmore mm-hmm. a sort of top four like even that is impossible to do because there are more than four great movies he helped define yeah. genres he made the first summer blockbuster the summer blockbuster is because of jaws so many of those things. Yeah. Those anytime there's a montage where they play like they'll play a theme, uh, a big one of John Williams's big themes, and then it'll be just clips from a million movies like mm-hmm. the, they do them at the Oscars. They used to do it. The great movie ride at Disney World, like these big epic movie montages. Half of the clips in those montages are Spielberg movies. And there are you could make a Mount Rushmore, not even with the movies themselves, just with iconic characters from his movies. You can put Indiana Jones and E.T., and Bruce the Shark, you know what I mean? And who else? I guess uh, Dustin Hoffman as Hook. Yeah, Richard Dreyfus and always. <laughs> Just all Richard Dreyfus. You could pilot, do all yeah. Richard Dreyfuses. Yes. Do Richard Dreyfus in Close Encounters, Richard Dreyfus and always, Richard Dreyfus in uh, Jaws. Mm-hmm. Did he do a fourth? Surely he was in Lincoln. Surely he had fake sideburns and was in Lincoln sweating. I, I think he was. He was also, uh, he played the son in Empire of the Sun. Oh, <laughs> nice. It's uncredited, but you can tell it's him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What do you, uh, what do you gravitate toward? You've mentioned before that there's multiple different kinds of Spielberg fans. There's the fans of his like real serious work. Uh, there's the eighties fans. There's the blockbusters only. There's the like old school dual fans where you fit in this world. It is hard to be our age and not immediately think of Indiana Jones. Yeah. When you think of Steven Spielberg and those, those three movies, I, I don't count the fourth one personally in there. I mean, I know he made it, but yeah. that was long after 
I was already well on my way into adulthood right. when that came out. I was I was in my 30s then, so it feels like kid. the sequel to a trilogy. Yes. You know what I mean? Like there's the Indiana Jones trilogy and then they did a sequel to that trilogy and it yeah. was Crystal Skull. But it's such I mean it's so masterfully made and the teams he puts together so how it's shot, mm-hmm. obviously the way it's edited is brilliant. It's really well written. So all, everything is there. That is a great Raiders of the Lost Ark, which we have established as the best of the Indiana Jones films, mm-hmm. is a masterpiece. But so is Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, where yeah. he tells a different story. And there's even more humor. Like he balances things really well. So that to me is sort of the prime Spielberg that, that I grew mm-hmm. up with. So that's that's the one I have the deepest attachment to. What about you? Yeah, I think it's the same for me. I grew up as a kid with a Super 8 movie camera, which was, you know, old then. (laughs) The technology was old even then, but I was obsessed with the sort of tactile nature of it. And I always loved that so was Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. He made through that run, once he had the the wherewithal to do it, he had a run of, I'm just going to make all the things that entertained me as a kid. Encountering Aliens. A monster movie about a giant shark. You know, this 1930s serial adventure stories. It's that childhood play of it all. What was his uh, connection with Poltergeist? He produced it, but he didn't direct it. Is that the deal? Yes, he was a producer on it. And then he may have directed some of it. Not enough of it. For it to be considered one of his. Yeah. But even that got me thinking, you know, reading a thing about him talking about or seeing an interview where he talked about as a kid being afraid of uh, what was just outside the tree outside of his bedroom Mm -hmm. or being afraid of the tree outside his bedroom. So he created this horror movie where that becomes a big part of it. You know, all these he's living that lifestyle that I've always wanted to live, which is if you could call up childhood version of yourself and tell him what you were doing, he would think it was awesome. Yeah. So he, that's the era of Spielberg that I also equate with, like quintessentially him to me. One time I went to see a movie at the, like the West Side, wherever it was. It was like a, one of those big movie theaters, Century City. It's a Century City AMC. Mm-hmm. And as I'm waiting to validate my parking ticket to leave, the person either behind me or ahead of me is Ron Howard. Mm. And we're waiting. It's taking a while. Did he have on a scrambled eggs hat? He had a scrambled eggs hat on and he turned and asked me, what did you see? Like he just wanted to have a conversation about movies yeah, because he loves movies. He loves the making of movies. And Spielberg is uh, someone who I get that same energy from as he, there's nothing else he could be doing than making movies because he loves it so much. All the yeah. movies that came before him, he loves movies being made now. He loves the art of storytelling. And that really comes through in all of his work, whether he wrote the screenplay, which he did a few times. Mm-hmm. Or not. You can definitely tell when he's really involved in it because it has a lot to do with like absentee dad. Yeah. <laughs> like close encounters of the third kind. Is, exactly. Is, yeah. He's an absentee dad or the dad's not there a lot of the time. So yeah, he deals. He, it seemed like that run was just dealing with all of his childhood stuff too, mm-hmm. like getting it on screen. There's something kind of cool about you mentioned uh, that his job is storyteller. There's something kind of cool, I think, about him and George Lucas and Ron Howard and all of these guys back then, like that. I having never heard that story of Ron Howard just turning to and going, Oh, what'd you see? Yeah. Which I kind of love. And then ask what I thought of it. I said, yeah. I saw whatever movie. Oh, what did you think? That's he didn't have to, he didn't have to care. But. Yeah. But that he does. And that's a person who loves making movies. Yeah. And, uh, and that is what like Spielberg, even Spielberg hanging out with Lucas working on star Wars 
You know what I mean? Just like they were, these guys were all around one another at the time when they realized their job was just tell stories. And they all had, they would all have assorted smaller credits on each other's things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels like what's, what came out of Mexico in the last few years. Absolutely. The Quaron, Del Toro and the triplets. Uh, yeah. The, the trio, uh, and Almodovar. Yeah. Anyway, back to Steven Spielberg. Here's my pitch. Okay. I think there's going to be some contenders that we both have that we both know are top contenders. Let's back and forth rattle off just some of the ones that we just want to make sure they get their due. And then we can start talking about some of the contenders. Okay. Oh, I thought we were just going to rattle off contenders and say why we think they're a contender to try to generate a list. But all right, I have one. Look, there's going to be five movies that we both agree are do should we should we come up with the contenders first like the top contenders and then we'll rattle off our uh second yeah, i kind of want to hear how many we think are contenders you want to okay. write these down will you, will sure. you track the list i will track this list you want me to start sure okay uh, i'll make it easy and start with raiders of the lost ark of course not only does it introduce one of the most iconic characters in culture but it is a brilliant callback to the serials of the 1930s and 40s, specifically Perils of Pauline is what he's going for there. It's him collaborating with Lucas as the idea guy, which is really like the perfect Lucas role is him coming up with the concept, mm-hmm. them working with Jeffrey Boehm to tell the story. It's just perfect throughout. It moves super fast, which is not something a lot of older movies do. I mean, this movie is now 40 years old. Yeah. And Generally, the further back a movie goes, even if it was fast paced at the time, it still feels slow because pace quickens. Movies get faster mm-hmm. and, and our attention spans get shorter. This one is remains perfectly paced and not a dull moment. It's just a perfect movie top to bottom. Great. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I will also add Jaws to the list. Mm-hmm. I mean, classic. It invented the summer blockbuster. Uh, if it weren't for Jaws, we wouldn't have Star Wars. I think that it set the tone and it is a classic. It's a great director doing a classic monster movie. Why do you think Jaws gave us Star Wars? Because Jaws gave us blockbusters. Jaws gave us the concept of tentpole, expensive, market the hell out of it movies. Oh, I, I don't. I'm, I have to push my glasses up and take a puff off my off, 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 a bit. Oh, are you about to um actually me? I have to take my glasses off and push my uh, I have to push my glasses I have to push my glasses up the bridge of my nose and take a puff off of my inhaler uh-huh. because really the movie that allowed him to make Star Wars was American Graffiti, which was no, no, no. I'm not. Hit. I'm and, not and talking Star about. Star Wars wasn't a giant budget movie, right? But that, you're talking about George Lucas. I'm talking about Steven Spielberg, right? But I'm saying Jaws isn't the reason why we had Star Wars. That's part of it. It's why Star Wars Agreed. was the phenomenon it was. Disagree, sir. All right. <laughs> 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 it's facts don't care about your opinion Hal. <laughs> they don't care about feelings <laughs> oh dumb facts. now we're just now we're just are we just because we're doing this thing coming up where we have to have some sort of dispute between the two of us now we're just gonna start trying to find disputes and things no it's fine we're good <laughs> when i was a teenager i went to israel with a teen tour mm-hmm. and one of the places that we visited when we were Near Jerusalem was Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Museum. If mm-hmm. you ever find yourself in Israel, it is a must visit. It is the best Holocaust Museum. The one in DC is also fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. they're all great 
reminders and preservations of history. And while we were taking the tour, there is a grove of trees that are planted in remembrance of people lost during the Holocaust. And one of them was a tree dedicated to a man called Oscar Schindler, who I'd never heard of before. And in telling us the story, they said, Steven Spielberg is making a movie about him right now. And that was 1993's Schindler's List. Yeah. Simply one of the greatest movies ever made. Mm -hmm. Very touching. I remember seeing it multiple times. There were a couple of movies that our entire school went to see. Like they just took us one grade at a time over to the local theater. We actually walked there from our campus to watch. And Schindler's List was one of them. And I didn't cry until I was an adult to really like feel the impact of it. But even though it is specific to a culture and, and his work with the Shoah Foundation, he's mm-hmm. very much in the, the preservation of the history of the Holocaust. This movie is super, not only is it brilliantly made, but it is culturally and historically important. Well, I think everybody that made it knew that, too. So you've got uh, Yitzhak Perlman, I think, was playing the music that mm-hmm. John Williams wrote as Spielberg is directing. And it's in black and white. It was uh, Janish. Was it his normal guy, his regular Janish Kaminsky DP that did it? I would assume I so. so. I think but like everybody, sure. everybody knew that they were making something more important than just a movie. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it is. It's a masterpiece. Fun fact about that one. It was so mm-hmm. emotional. There are fun facts. <laughs> fun fact. Hey, Schindler's List fun facts. Welcome to the Schindler's List fun corner. We got to make a, uh, we got to make a Chiron that pops up anytime yeah. you have a Schindler's List fun fact. Not fun. Uh, no, this is an interesting fact about the making of that movie is that it was so emotionally taxing for Spielberg. You know, obviously he's dealing with intensely personal things that are really sad. You know, we all know the history of the Holocaust and, and he doesn't pull punches in his making of the movie. So Robin Williams would call him once a week and essentially just do bits over the phone to cheer him up. Wow. Good on him. And that became Patch Adams. Correct. (laughs) They just took those recordings and everybody mouthed them while on camera. No, what was the one I'm thinking of? Jacob the Liar. Was that it? That's the one that I was not Patch Adams. Jacob the Liar. Jacob the Liar is uh, it's the American attempt at life is beautiful. Wasn't that basically what that was? Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, of course, Schindler's List uh, masterpiece on there. I'm going to go ahead and add E.T. to our list of contenders. Yeah. Another one of those just great. First of all, it's got maybe the greatest. Now, well, we can't say because we've already definitively determined the greatest John Williams theme of all time. But this is definitely up there. We talked about it a lot. Please go back and listen to that episode with Jonathan Dinerstein, the music in E.T., the E.T. flying theme mm-hmm. and just everything like everything that happens in that movie is what I would imagine. Like as a kid, your imagination as a kid going wild creates these scenarios. What if I found an alien? What if my bike could fly? You know what I mean? These, these sort of profound little kid bucket list things. And it cre- and it's got, you know, it's got the dynamic between the three kids, which I always love because it was, you know, older brother, middle child, and youngest one is a girl, which is the exact same combo we had, which put me in exactly the same spot that Henry Thomas was as yeah. the middle child. You got to be Elliot. Yeah. I got to be Elliot. The scene with the frogs, like there's, there's so many great iconic moments in that movie that it feels if we're looking at that early era of Spielberg, that looks quintessentially 
Spielberg. I've said quintessentially like three times in this episode already. Well, it's, and it's hard because quintessentially Spielberg applies to a lot of these different films. Yeah. And some of it's intangible. They're intangible things that they all have. But there is a tangible. It is an intangible, but it's easy to point out, which is the sentimentality of it. And sometimes Spielberg movies are way overly sentimental. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they are the exact right amount of sentimental and suspenseful and funny and touching and that I think E.T. has a perfect recipe, like the alchemy that made E.T. That really is gold. Yeah. E.T., by the way, was originally it was developed out of a horror script called Night Skies. Oh, yeah. That Steven Spielberg had been working cool. on. And then they changed it and made it a family film, which, of course, probably one of the best decisions he could have made professionally. Yeah. Because that is it is a classic movie that five year old Hal went to see and then came out. My mother asked me, what do you think? And I went, it was OK. <laughs> I was not super impressed with E.T. as a five-year-old. Wow. Well, which okay. is the age you should love it. Because all you should think is, what if an alien showed up right. and we became best friends? But is that but are you thinking that at five, or is that more of what like eight-year-old Hal would think? I guess at five, I don't know if I formulated everything enough in my brain that I wouldn't look at the screen and go, Who's that little weird old man? No, I knew what I was watching. All right. And I also remember watch in the beginning, he's got his Star Wars figures. And I was like, I don't have Walrus Man. He has Walrus Man. <laughs> and I wish I had Walrus Man. How you have never changed. Correct. <laughs> Still, I gotta be me. All right, do you have any more for the, uh, for the contenders oh, list? Yeah, multiple. I only have one more, but I'll see if yours, see what else you got on there. I have, oh, I think I have three more. On the mega contenders list? Yes. All right. What do you got? One of them, actually two of them are collaborations with the same actor. Mark Rylance, Bridge of Spies and the Big Freaking Giant. Uh, Close. Tom, (laughs) Big Freaking Giant. (laughs) Hey, look at that big freaking giant. Look at that big freaking giant. Hey, that big freaking giant looks like Mark Rylance. I love you in Jerusalem. (laughs) (laughs) In Jerusalem. You've seen this shade. This, uh, (laughs) sorry. You'll be the Yad Vashem. Uh, <laughs> I want to go with one of his first collaboration with Tom Hanks, which ah, is sure. 1998's Saving Private Ryan. His recreation of the storming of the beach at Normandy was so precise and so intense that they provided counseling for veterans yeah. who went to see it. And it is, and the whole movie is good. It's, I don't know that it's ultimately going to win, but I do think it is. Really good. And that sequence alone is just completely, it immerses you in, in that world so hard that, that you're, it, it pulls you in for the rest of the film. And that's really impressive. It, that it's the greatest opening of any of his movies. Mm -hmm. It is. And it, it introduced, at least to me, and I think to the general population, that sort of super, super high frame rate. Where everything, even though it's going at speed, looks like it's crazy sped up and frenetic like that. Yeah. It's such an interesting, cool way of shooting a thing. It gives it that real visceral quality. And that's one of those Spielberg things that, you know, it's he and Yanish just come up with some amazing visual ways to tell stories together and always have. Yeah. I don't know that that movie. I think that movie after that sequence is very good. Okay. I don't think it's as great. I, I think the rest of the movie is very good. It's a great war movie. Yeah. Okay, a very take, good war movie. Take it off the list. Can I give you the replacement? No, then? no, no. I'm not, I don't want to take it off the list. I'm just okay. saying that that, but that first 20 minutes might keep it up there at the top. 
That's fair. That's what else fair. you got? Uh, is your other one Jurassic Park? My other one's Jurassic Park. Oh, it was okay. between Jurassic Park and one other one, which might be on yours. Oh. Which is Close Encounters. I don't have Close Encounters. You know, I do like Close Encounters a lot. Yeah. I don't think it, I don't know that it holds up as Interesting. well. There Even though it sort of it. set the tone for that, like, here's what would reasonably happen if we made contact. Well, I guess I that think, tone had been set before. I think what we remember more than anything about that movie is that yeah. is the and, music and, and that whole encounter sequence where where the ship is communicating through music and the lights are going off mm-hmm. and the aliens come out and do the solfage they do the hand because that's apparently is a universal I mean music being a universal language is really smart yeah. but then the solfage the actual hand the actual yeah that's also you guys you guys <laughs> take solfage in school it's my favorite band it's always felt a little far fetched that we would all know the yeah. hand signals for things. <laughs> but I think it, I just don't think it holds up in the same way. I think it's very good. Yeah. But not. That's why ultimately, incredible. ultimately I moved it to my second tier list, but I think there may be one that well, look, something from the second tier, I think is going to pop up into the first tier, but it does feel like it feels like what close encounters is doing for my age that I was when all of these movies came out. And again, that's, you know, part of what, where we're going to come from with this. E.T. did it better. Yeah. E.T. did alien coming and finding common ground with humans at more my speed. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's way, it's way better. There's more of an emotional tie to it. Mm-hmm. It's not like making the devil's peak out of mashed potatoes and saying, this means, this, means this is important. Look, Weird Al couldn't have done it later on in UHF, though, that if he best, hadn't have done it. That's the best thing out of it. All right, I have one more. Is it Jurassic Park? It's the terminal. Here, look, we don't <laughs> talk enough about how he creates a whole economy out of returning those luggage carts. No, uh, it is another Tom Hanks collaboration mm-hmm. with Steven Spielberg, and it is, for my money, the best Leonardo DiCaprio performance in oh, yeah. the film. It is Catch Me If You Can. Catch Me If You Can is great. It is so good. It's a really fun kind of period piece. It's a really mm-hmm. good dissection of him, of Frank Abagnale Jr. as a con man. All the performances are really good. I love the way it's shot. I love the music. And it, it really brings you along. You go along for the ride. He brings you along for the ride, and it's exciting, and you get emotionally invested. And I think it's the – I think prior to that – my issue with Leonardo DiCaprio from from watching was that I felt mm-hmm. like everything he was always at his best when he was doing extremes, but I didn't. It was hard to get past like he's Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. He just as he's Leo, and this movie I think subverted that so well and actually used it like a like a judo master. They used that momentum to sort of flip it around on you, and it's it's yeah. It's, how can you not love Leonardo DiCaprio and how charming he is? Yeah. Yeah, I think it, I love, love, love that movie. There, mm-hmm. He did a good run of, he's got a few like of really fascinating middle of the 20th century true stories. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You've got this, you've got Bridge of Spies, you've got Munich. Yes. Like that are just, here is a moment in time, a little snapshot around what's going on in the world. But, you know, these factual stories. Did you see this article that came out in May, though, about Catch Me If You Can? No. It's all BS. Oh, that oh, the whole the whole the whole story, story. yeah, the whole story is fake. Isn't that great? That's the ultimate con of Frank yeah, Abagnale Jr. That Frank Abagnale built a whole career off of it. Yeah, he's built a career off of this one amazing con that he pulled, 
and turns out the or this string of amazing cons that he pulled and then turns out the biggest con that he's pulling is all of it is not true it's fantastic but as a movie as a movie it is so much fun it veers so drastically from one emotion to another Mm -hmm. you know and and john williams soundtrack is just incredible for that movie and we talked about this again in that time when our John Williams episode that it's got that sort of like mid-century jazz groovy like yeah. but like the scene picture I mean the fact that in the same movie and in the same character in the same arc you've got him walking onto a plane with all of the Pan Am flight attendants flanking him so as so he goes on one guy yeah can- so you got that scene and you've also got this intensely, these intensely emotional phone calls mm-hmm. and the final scene in the printing shop in the middle of the night in at the end of the, like, it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful movie. It's a little you know? town where they never heard of Sarah Lee. The, the, here's the brilliant thing about John Williams music. I know we're not talking about that, mm-hmm. but we can't talk about Spielberg and not talk about it. Yeah. Is the fact that the theme the music relate the theme of the movie. So mm-hmm. that catch me if you can music where it's really like evasive, like it's almost yeah. like the music is chasing itself. So you get the chase of Tom Hanks's FBI agent going after Frank Abagnale and then him being cagey and sort of dodging around the same way. And, and I think you and Paget and I talked about this off show mm-hmm. that the music in Schindler's list is constantly trying to rise and fall. Yeah. So it's the, it's the struggle of the Jewish people during the Holocaust and, and in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, it's hard for me to talk about it without crying. So I'm going to stop. Yeah. But that, that, I would say that catch me if you can is, is my last finalist. Okay. Well, let's talk then quickly about, uh, my last finalist, which is Jurassic Park. Sure. And that is, I mean, it's, it's not an original work. It was based on a book by Michael Crichton, which I don't know how many of these were based on previous properties. Mm-hmm. Well, Jaws was. Jaws was? Jaws was based on uh, Peter Benchley. Okay, so there's been a few that have mm-hmm. been based on other works. Uh, Jurassic Park, iconic music. Yep. It spawned not only countless sequels, but uh, theme park rides. Uh, which multiple versions of the theme park ride. And it is another one of those. It feels like Spielberg was destined to direct this because it's another one of those as a little kid, like what are you scratching off your little kid bucket list? Hey, what if we could scientists could make some dinosaurs now? Here's what would happen if we had dinosaurs today. Simplest of premises. But that was the first movie I ever saw where and I think that this was him deftly using special effects. Yeah. Because, uh, the CG was not that huge, like was not that realistic before 93. And this was the first movie I ever saw that the dinosaurs looked real and they looked terrifying. Yes. Great mix of visual effects, graphic, mm-hmm. uh, computer generated effects and live action, like puppets and models. Yeah. It really just so well done. The entire sequence of the T-Rex first approaching the Jeep. Yeah. Seeing the eye against the window. I mean, that holds up. And that is a over 30 year old, well, nearly 30 year old film. Yeah. And the special effects did what they needed to do. They looked realistic. There's no point where it looks fake. So yeah, of course it holds up. It's just a Jeep and a dinosaur. It's pretty timeless, my friend. Yeah. And it kicked off. Obviously there are not as many books as there are movies, but it created a franchise that continues to this day has kept going. 
Yeah. Over and over and over again. And one of the other times he came back to direct the sequels when he did The Lost World. Which is not good. Yeah. yeah not, <laughs> that's not so great. No, okay. it's the Jurassic Park Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Look, if his filmmaking was a batting average, he would be in Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, of course. A very high batting average. Yeah. But let's step away from the batter's box of film right now. Let's, let's take, take a quick break. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we can briefly discuss some of the also rans that we did not pick to be one of our 500 finalists and then we will select <laughs> among these movies the greatest spielberg film of all time we'll be right back this podcast is sponsored by better help online therapy it doesn't matter who you are or what you have life can be stressful especially the times that we're in right now and when you are going through these issues, you do not have to go through them alone. You can get help from someone who's completely unbiased, someone who isn't going to judge you or take sides on anything, and you'll be surprised how much it can help. I'm talking about therapy, of course. And BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. And it's more affordable than in-person therapy. See if it's for you, but as someone who's been in therapy for years, I cannot recommend it highly enough. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and We Got This listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash We Got This. Have your first session in under 48 hours at B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash We Got This. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Nine years ago, we started a podcast to try and learn something new every episode. Things have gone a little off the rails since then. <laughs> Tune in to hear about low stakes neighborhood drama, gardening, the sordid, nasty underbelly of the horse girl lifestyle, hot sauce, <laughs> addiction to TV and sweaty takes on celebrity culture, and the weirdest, grossest stuff you can find on wikipedia.org. We'll read all of it no matter how gross. <laughs> There's something for everyone on our podcast, Baby G. Geniuses. Hosted by us, two horny adult idiots. Hang out with us as we try and fail to retain any knowledge at all. Every other week on Maximum Fun. A man goes to the doctor and says that he's depressed and that life seems cruel. The doctor says, ah, the treatment is simple. The great clown Pagliacci is in town tonight. Go and see him and you will surely feel better. The man bursts into tears and says, But doctor, I am Pagliacci. Ah, okay, says the doctor. In which case, try listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award winning comedy podcast and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Hal, what's on your guilty pleasures of Spielberg list? This isn't guilty pleasures. It is a really, really good movie with great performances. Mm-hmm. That was his first, to me, like super serious movie, which is The Color Purple. Yeah. The reason why, first of all, Oprah Winfrey's performance in that movie is so good. Yeah. So good. Brings tears to my eyes every time when she comes home. Danny Glover is great in it. Whoopi Goldberg is great in it. I think the the issue that I have is... And it's great that he used his clout to get it made. But I really wish we could have seen a black director take that movie on. Specifically a black woman directing that. Yes. It seems like an odd choice for, I mean, but you know, in in the mid eighties. It It is a great movie, but it's just, it it doesn't feel like it is not a Spielberg movie. It's not his movie. It would be weird to call it his movie. Yeah. 
I'm putting Hook on there. I, that's for me the guilty pleasure. I love Hook. I love I've it. seen it a million times. Yeah. I think Dustin Hoffman is the best version of Captain Hook that I've ever seen. I think Bob Hoskins is the best Smee. I think Robin Williams is the best Peter Pan. And they gave us Rufio, for God's sake. That movie is amazing. <laughs> I defy anyone that says that movie is terrible. I loved And a, a young Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. And it's so clearly a set. That's what I love. That movie is yeah. unapologetically a soundstage that they have made to look like Neverland. It is really joyful. It's a really fun movie. Yeah. I loved it in the theater. I've watched it countless times. It would be weird for me to be like, no, what? I, you know, I'm not going to yeah. front. It's not the best. Cool. But, yeah. But it's great. It's I, yeah. I, I love it. And I definitely have an attachment to it. But but we recognize it's not the best. Sure. I really like. I like surprisingly liked Minority Report. You know what? That was my next one on my uh, list. Oh, really? Of, yeah. Was minor- I loved Minority Report. It's really enjoyable. It's fun to make fun of. You know, I make fun of the three bald children in the tub. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my go-to <laughs> references. And him touching the screen, like working with those touch screens, yeah. swiping stuff aside, that became, that was like a bit at the time. But, but it, that became Tony good. Stark. Yeah. That was the coolest thing about that movie. I think it's too dark, ultimately. Yeah. Is the biggest issue with that. But it's still, it's better than I think people remember it being. Yeah. All right. I'm going to move to one then that I think is Spielberg at his best storytelling when given something incredibly dry to tell a story about, which is Lincoln. And he's got Mm. to make passing amendments to the Constitution interesting, which he does. I think like he's the only person who could give that really great story arc to legislation. And it's also the first time that anybody won an Oscar for a performance in one of his movies. You know, that feeling when you're in an older home and you're sitting in the, in the living room <laughs> and maybe there's like a fire going, nobody's talking. Uh-huh. You hear the clock and like just the house, like the of things settling and uh-huh. there's a comfort to that. Yeah. That's Lincoln for me. Yeah. It is super slow, but his performance as Lincoln. Like you get what was so charismatic about him. And that's really interesting to see like, here's Lincoln, the person. Yeah. And what it might have been like to be around him and why he is so revered, not only for things that happened during his presidency, but sort of for this larger than life figure that he was. So I, I agree with that. Another great, I have two more. Do you have two more? Okay. Um, I can, I can, I got one more in me. Okay. Yeah. One is the post. Which is not his okay. best movie, but it has Meryl Streep in it, and she is yeah. fantastic, and also Tom. I like it. That's great cast. I love those sort of. Here's what was going on in the seven. Anything around Watergate? And oh the yeah, recording of it. Just people on coily corded phones walking around offices and smoking indoors. I, yeah, it's I and and, and closing the blinds on their interior office. Yeah, <laughs> that has metal frames. Yeah, exactly. And, a, and one of those push pull doors that you normally have outside. Get in here. Close blind. Close blind. Close blind. <laughs> Everything's either mid-century or brutalist. Well, yeah. <laughs> this is the post. Uh, yeah, the post is a blast. I love that vibe too. Like the phone call, the Meryl Streep phone call, and that is great. Like everything is, it, it's fun. It's it's an all-star cast having a good time doing a doing one of them uh, newspaper pictures. Yeah, I'm gonna say my last one is. Uh, though we have already determined, and so I know it's not going to win because we already determined that even amongst its peers in it within its trilogy, mm. it does not defeat Raiders of the Lost Ark. But I think Last Crusade is a pretty perfect movie. I agree with you. I have one yeah. more. My okay. last one. 
I don't know that it's maligned, but I think it's a, actually a little underappreciated. Mm-hmm. And that comes from maybe backlash to the anticipation of it coming out. And that's Ready Player One. It's, I, I know it doesn't have everything that the novel has in it. Yeah. But it is a very Spielberg. Like it's fun. It's digestible. You know, if, if I can take Jennifer to see it, who doesn't know the book. Mm-hmm. And she can enjoy it. It's like a middle, it's a good middle of the pack Spielberg movie. It's not his worst and far right. from his best, but it, it recaptures some of that fun that I think kind of went missing yeah. from a large number of his films, including Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That didn't have like that fun spirit. It felt, yeah. didn't feel the same. This felt a lot more like the fun Spielberg that we saw at points of the eighties. Well, there's one way to really find the fun again, I Mm. think. And that is if you are known for making fun movies and then someone writes a novel that is just a love letter to your fun movies, and then you get picked to make the movie about how fun your movies are. Yeah. It's Spielberg directing a movie that is an homage to Spielberg. Yep. Which is the fact that he directed that is bonkers to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, it's really, really good stuff. Yeah, and it was super fun, and you know, I love the ending. And did you read the book? No, I've not. Yeah, me neither. I didn't need to read the book. There's a movie. I saw the. I saw the movie. Like I'm Harry like, Potter. Uh, no, nobody's gonna ask me to write. Look, I'm in my 40s. Nobody's gonna ask me to write a book report anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy reading. I don't want to say I don't enjoy reading, but I've not read that. This I just in: Hal Lublin hates reading. <laughs> Reading is is yeah. bad to mental. How's that anti-literacy, that illiteracy campaign that you've been running going? Well, it's tough because we can't make any flyers to send out. But <laughs> I don't know. I'm just hoping that people learn about it. That's fair. Oh, my God. All right. It sounds like we have our list of contenders. And if I may. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and take a guess mm-hmm. that we can narrow this down to two movies right now. Really? How, I think we can. What's the list? How many movies are there? Eight? Is that right? On the, of, no, we've, the we've, we've cut them down a little bit. I can't, look, I'm going to tell you the two movies I think it is. Wait, tell, and you me, tell me all me the finalists you... and then let, let's see if I can guess what you think the two finalists are. Okay. We only have six finalists. Oh, only six? Okay. Yeah. That's good. E.T., Schindler's List, Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jurassic Park, and Saving Private Ryan. Okay. Yeah. And I think okay, it's a two horse race. I do too. I think it's between Raiders of the Lost Ark and Schindler's List. I was going to say Jaws and Schindler's List. Interesting. Why Jaws over Raiders? Because of its importance in... Because wouldn't, we wouldn't have a Star Wars without it? <laughs> because it gave us Star Wars. That wasn't Darth Vader. That was Hal's Inhaler. Just the brilliance of not having to show the monster. Yeah. And his improvising on that set. By the time he made Raiders of the Lost Ark, he could use money to solve problems. Not that he did. I didn't that mm-hmm. cut corners, but there's something to the almost pioneering spirit of jaws that would give it an edge for me. And this is really like, no, it gave birth to a genre rather than I think Raiders of the lost Ark helped revive a genre. That's fair. I think historical importance of jaws is probably higher for me. I just like Raiders of the lost Ark better. I like that. It is a classic movie like it's when i think of the movies that's what i'm thinking of it's exotic locales and a hero who is smart and a heroine who is tough Mm -hmm. and i think everything in that movie works it does i think that movie is pretty darn close to perfect it is i think all three of these movies are perfect yeah that said i do think that schindler's list 
almost transcends the movies. Yeah. And what it's doing. It's kind of tough to pick anything else. Yeah. It's tough to pick anything else. It's not the most, because the thing here, and they're all fine movies, mm-hmm. is we're not picking the most Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah. We're picking what is the best movie he made. And I think it is the best movie. It is the best movie he's ever made. It's the only one that's required watching that yeah. was assigned. Again, you want to talk about cultural importance. It acts as a fictionalized documentation of historical events. Mm-hmm. So it is a way for us to remember. And as we get farther and farther away, you know, we're talking about now World War II ending almost 80 years ago. So as we get further, further away and the generations that lived it are no longer with us. You know, I had relatives who were in concentration camps. I had relatives who I never would have had the chance to meet because they were lost during the Holocaust. But now that that generation is disappearing and mm-hmm. they've been preserved thanks to the work that Spielberg has done, just these hundreds of hours of interview footage he's gotten to capture these stories and keep them. And having them in a museum is great. Yeah. And being able to hear the words from the actual people who lived it, it's super important. But realistically, that's not always the most effective way to communicate with everybody. Yeah. Get to their hearts. Doing it through a movie to remind people not only of this story of incredible bravery and selflessness by a guy who had been very selfish up until then. Mm -hmm. And the resilience of the Jewish people during one of the most horrific periods in our history is a way that people can watch it. And you're seeing it play out as a movie. You're seeing people that you recognize, but you're learning. You're learning these things through these movies. And hopefully when you see it, it makes you want to learn more. Yeah. And you thankfully have a lot of material that you can access at any time. Thanks to Steven Spielberg, the person and as a filmmaker and a documentarian. So for that reason, bring it on home. People of the world. The greatest Steven Spielberg movie of all time in maybe the greatest filmmaking resume outside of Hitchcock. Yeah. Maybe even rivaling Hitchcock just for the pure variety of films. Save it for the next ring. Save it for the ring next time. All right. You got it. You got it. The best Spielberg movie is 1993's Schindler's List. Asked and answered. If you have not seen it, take the time to watch it. It's not easy, but it's important. And you'll be glad you did when it's over. Because the only way we correct the mistakes of the past is to learn from them and understand how they happened, why they happened, and why they can never happen again. Asked and answered. Amen. This topic is closed, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets or you can email us at We Got This Podcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook group. Share the Spielberg movies you love and the moments that are forever etched into your brain over at Facebook.com. <laughs> Rufio, Rufio. <laughs> Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash we got this podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, for giving Hal and I an opportunity to look back on some of the movies that made us who we are. And I hope that you are having as good a time with this throwback to some classic Spielberg as we did. It was fun to focus on this this week. And it's always a delight to talk with Hal about things that we find uh, joyful and important. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Loveland, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Loveland. And don't worry, everybody. 
We got got this. this. We got this. I don't know why I always feel compelled to do that ending directly into the lens, even though nobody's actually going to watch. Sometimes I'm looking at you just to see. When you go like, at the same time, people of the world. (laughs) It's like, it's just each other. We're We're making eye contact with the audience, of course. (laughs) Why wouldn't we? get it. Snobby steaks. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.